Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to Love Cars on the Grid, your global podcast for what's going on around the world of motorsport, which was not a lot this weekend, but all fairly frank, end of term stuff. There was the Formula One to Abu Dhabi. There was the uh, MotoGP at Valencia. There was the Supercars title decided then in Adelaide. And apparently there was some sort of racing, endurance racing in Barbados, which perhaps, um, oh, you can fill us in on later in the show. But did you get to see the Grand Prix in the last one of the year? I saw, we saw the extended highlights. Uh, We didn't watch the whole thing, but it, and I read about it. It just looked like a bit of a snooze fest. What was it like, Tiff? (laughs) Well, it was. The most interesting stuff, really, that I really got excited was, was was the 10 rookies in FP1. This was the best part of the whole weekend. So you know what we're like. We always love seeing these, these youngsters trying to get their chance to move into Formula One, which is so rare. And we had three British drivers out of those uh, 10. So it's, we got this you know, rich, rich seam of uh, British talent coming up through the ranks. Because um, Zach O'Sullivan in the Williams and uh, Jake Dixon in the Red Bull joined Ollie Behrman, who was having second go in the, in the Haas team. Um, so it's great to see them all out there having a go, none making mistakes or crashing the cars. But the star was really. Um, uh, Brazil's Felipe Drugovic, you know, this uh, Formula Two champion from what two years ago now, you know, just hasn't got a drive, can't get in, reserve driver at Aston Martin. Uh, so he got his chance, and it was um, 0.271 seconds faster than Lance Stroll. So I don't think that would have gone well done with Stroll. So obviously, obviously, you know, you never know what ones they're doing, what tires are on, fuel levels, but. Uh, Drogovic certainly got the head. He was second fastest overall, only beaten by George Russell. So, um, but it must be so frustrating, mustn't it, when they do these tests and they show that they can drive the car and then nothing happens. But look at um, look at how so many people are in Brazil. Order. Brazil Brazil is just full of motorsport enthusiasts. To get somebody like him into F1, get Bottas out, get Ricciardo out, get them out. I get know. Some new you would have thought, like you know, because there's certain. There's a, you know, there's a certain amount of you know favoritism to keep you know, to have certain countries in. You know, like Zhao's probably mainly in because he's Chinese. And but there's always there should always be a Brazilian in Grand Prix racing because it's you know since Senna and Fittipaldi and it's got such a heritage of, of the Grand Prix. There's one of the best Grand Prix around. But um, so yes, the second most impressive was this Robert Schwartzman. This uh, he was Russian. He was actually born in Israel, so he's now become an Israeli because obviously the problems. I mean, two years ago, when he, I think he came second in Formula 2, um, he should have been in the Haas. He should have been in the Haas. We said this on this very podcast, you know, instead of Hulkenberg or Magnussen having yet another year of back of the field. Um, he was only, um, how far behind was he? He was 0.027 seconds slower than Carlos Sainz. So really impressive. He's done these tests before, Schwartzman. Hopefully he'll get into World Endurance Championship. Oli Behrman was the third best. Again, he was only 0.107 seconds selling K Magnum and an amazing job with Haas. Uh, the fourth nearest to their leader was Mick Doohan, who's uh, Alpine's man. Paso Award came over from IndyCar to do the McLaren. He was sort of close-ish, but not enough. Teo Porcher got the Alpha, the former two champion. Um, Zach O'Sullivan uh, was, he was about 0.7 stone Logan Sargent, so not the best. He won't be happy with that, but I'm sure he's delighted to have driven. You don't, you don't know what program he had. Uh, then Frederick Vesti uh, got a Mercedes run. 
Um, he's actually come up now as a possible Williams driver, best because he's Mercedes backed. So Logan's Logan's tenure in that Williams seat still seems a bit um, fragile. Um, he was eighth eighth best, and then um, the two there were two Red Bulls. The Red Bull boys didn't have a star to go up against because they put both of them in. Uh, Jake Dennis, of course, our former e champion, joined in, and um, I said Hadjar, the French kid. Dennis was quicker than Hadjar by a tenth or two. So ten of them all had a go, didn't make mistakes, didn't look silly. But but that's the how thing. How, how hard? How, how hard do you push, and how hard do you want to make a bit of a statement? But you, the mm. last thing you want to do. So you're getting in a strange car. Uh, they know, or they all know the circuit. But you're getting in a strange car, um, and you want to make a statement, <laughs> but you don't want to overcook it. You don't want to be that person. Imagine being in Max's car. Isaac Hadjar was in Max's car because Jake Dennis has done a lot of. He's been a Red Bull. Um, uh, simulator driver for years, so he's the, a lot of them are being rewarded for being simulator drivers, which is about the nearest they'll ever get to being a Grand Prix driver. But you know, I think Ollie Behrman's got a good chance of getting through. Zach O'Sullivan, you know, he came second in Formula Three, moving up to Formula Two. I think Zach could uh, could still get through, but then that would make it about five British drivers. And there'd probably be a complaint, and then we'd have that one less because there's too many Brits in. <laughs> well, let's um, get let's get another could, team. Another another two cars. Oh, we so can't which, another team. Which, Don't you start? They'll be have to give away you, some of their money, wouldn't they? Oh, but dear, exactly. Dear. But another team, another two two drivers, two cars, two drivers. Get rid of some of the old hat, and uh, and I oh, know that's your solution. We've been campaigning. We've been saying it for years, and so have other people. But it's all it's all too vested, interested. And qualifying itself, we had, we had, and they've got to sort whatever they do over the winter regulation wise. They've got to some come up with some system for qualifying. Because now they were creeping out through that tunnel, you know, the tunnel pit lane exit. And they're all coming out at five miles an hour and trying to go three miles an hour to get a bigger gap. And I think in one practice session, Max just overtook them all barging through. They had a, a driver's meeting the night before quality and all agreed what all let each other. And of course, when it came to actual qualifying, they just did they bugger. You know, they all just went for their own best positions and moved. It just looked stupid. They had to sort it out. Um, the stories of Q1 was poor old uh, Logan Sargent doing two track limits. As you turn one, which has got quite a vicious curb, you almost feel it doesn't need a track limit penalty because the curb looks to unsettle the car quite badly and, and perhaps, you know, penalise the car enough. But anyway, so we had all his time to... You have, you have a track, track limits track limits. Track limits, track limits. You can't start saying, oh, we shouldn't have track limits because the car's unsettled anyway. Track limits are track limits. Well, no, but if, if, if you have curbs that take a tenth or two off you, if you go over them, then you still that's need track limits. Well, no, it, that's it, it. No, you don't. You don't you need talk, a rule. You, of course you do. If track limits slippery. are track limits. There's, there's a line, there's a line, and that line is definitive. So that's your track limits, not no, there's a curb there. That's the new way at the moment, but that doesn't. everybody doesn't like it because, you know, these tracks where there's too many track limit infringements because you've got over a white line. We need rough curbs or gravel or slippery surfaces. So if you do run well, wide of the track, you're slowed we'll by the features of the circuit. It we will come wall, on to could be Bushy Park in Barbados later with caterers, but you certainly wouldn't want to cut any apexes because we were blessed with sausage curbs. So uh, anyway, we'll come on to that shortly. Exactly. Vicious curbs, vicious curbs, yeah. but you know, that damages cars. So then it's a, it's a vicious circle. Uh, the other big story of Q1 was, of course, um, um, car science going out. He was only 0.3 slower than Leclerc, 
who was up in about the top 10. But it wasn't, he was out, complained of traffic. And Davidson looked at the traffic he had, and there wasn't really traffic. He was, just, I don't think it was much traffic, just had a bad lap. It was so close, you know, it's about two tenths from, you know, pole down to the bottom. Um, Q2, Lewis, my car's wrong, mate. Look, mate, my car's wrong. It's not fast. 11th, second 11th on the trot. Yeah. Uh, was George in the end qualified fourth, you know, the other. He's so, found so a Lewis resurgence. Was... He's really on fire at the moment, at the end of the season, George. He's overtaken yeah, Lewis. Yeah. It was funny. We had that period, didn't we, in mid season when uh, Lewis really seemed to be coming back and sorting out the boy and being the dominant Mercedes driver. And now it's, it's switched back again. And, and George <laughs> is the one up there. So whether Lewis has got a bit of carbon fibre in his chassis, who knows? Um, so Q3, it's another Max and Charles front row for the race, which will look quite exciting. McLaren third and fifth, George fourth. Yuki Sudoda was the highlight of qualifying sixth. Um, and that was really Sergio. Oh, Sergio got pinned for track limits again. Sergio got put back to ninth, having another bad end of season race. And that was where the excitement seemed to end, really. The, there was, I mean, there was a bit of race. There was quite a few side-by-sides going on in the midfield battles. Um, I was quite interested in turn one, actually, I'd like to know, because um, Leclerc on the inside got level with Max on the outside. Yeah. But sort and of backed out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if that had been switched round, you reckon, I reckon Max would have gone through. There is that difference. Max has that, you know, amazing determination. No question. No, he's got the killer instinct and he will put his car on the yeah. line every single yeah. time he doesn't care. And yeah. fair play to him in a way because, you know, he's yeah. on this roll and setting records all over the place, but he's still prepared to put his car on the line. So you've got to, you've got to respect him for that. He, such a winning Come determination. Yeah. I was going, go on, Charles, get stacking, go on, get off the brakes, <laughs> yeah. stay level, stay level. <laughs> but like Sergio but mate, did Max with... wide. Yeah, but like Sergio did later with... Push- with, with Lando and uh, and kept him out there, pushed him out there because he said, he, of course, he got in, he got a reprimand for uh, calling the stewards a joke. Um, uh, so he got reprimanded oh. afterwards. But well, but I agree I get... with Checo on that one. For once, I agree that Perez that sh- he shouldn't have had the five seconds. Well, I said to the guy I mean, when you're trying to get a he's he it, it, straight away Lando's fault. Uh, but then you see the other angle, and Checo doesn't turn. He just keeps he pushes him out there. It's a Red Bull tactic. Yeah, but he's there, trying I to say. turn a one-ton, turning a one-ton truck. It's the trouble. They're not nimble though. If you go in about five miles an hour too fast, <laughs> you know you're going to understand. The flipping yeah, but he's not turning turn. the wheel. His, ha- his hands are like that. He's not turning. He know he knew what he was doing. But Lando, was saying, he Lando was saying, I was letting him by. Lando was saying I was letting him pass. So I don't know. <laughs> no, so anyway, we ended up with a one and a half hours of Max pulling away, Leclerc second. And then we had this pantomime towards the end. So you've done an hour and a half Grand Prix, not that hot. And you start chatting, you're in second place in your Ferrari, and you're thinking about championship points because apparently we became second. And I'm not interested in these constructors, I mean, every all the commentators make it exciting. I couldn't give a doodle who came second or third in the constructors' championship. But so Leclerc now has a chat on the radio. I mean, he's driving around in 4G on his neck muscles, 4G breaking. Oh, I've been thinking about this. If I drop back and let Perez by, and because <laughs> he has five seconds penalty, and then we can push Russell back, so then Ferrari will come second and Mercedes third. I mean, the fact that they're able to think about all of this, I'd be so knackered at the end, I'd be hanging on the steering wheel. 
See, I, I disagree. Finish slide. I disagree. You are the master of being able to drive a car and talk and do stuff at the same time. So I think <laughs> it's just second nature. You do it all the time. You do you're, you're power sliding and you're talking. Yeah, but that's more reacting, reacting to what's going on, not thinking some great master plan of, of allowing Perry's up to second. What do the spectators think? You know, half spectators now at these events, they're not knowledgeable spectators. I doubt the commentary is that good in the grandstands. You know, are they? what language are they shouting in the grandstands? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, Perez goes past, you know, Leclerc for second place. I mean, were they getting excited in the grandstand? Did they think that was a... Did they know about the five-second penalty? They probably didn't. You know, these, that's the trouble with time penalties, that what you're watching from your grandstand isn't what's actually happening in the race, unless you're knowledgeable or you've, or you've got a row in your head. I think that you know, Perez got five-second. I'll tell you what, penalty-wise... So I think Paris, that was just a racing incident. I would not, I don't think they had to give that five second personally. But Alonso brake checking Lewis. Now, to my mind, that was really dangerous. And yet, you know, Alonso is in the post interview has done, I'm clever, I've, I've been around for so long, I know these little tricks. Um, but it was dangerous. It was on the racing line and to suddenly back off. Did you see that one? I did. I saw it. And, and, and as you said, he came in the interview afterwards. He said, uh, Lewis understands F1 really well and has a lot of experience, but I have more. <laughs> yeah. so, but, cocky, uh, typical. Typical Alonso. Cocky, I'm so clever, I'm so clever. But it was a dangerous move. Yeah. And um, that shouldn't have well, happened, I don't think. Mark, but... Mark uh, who we're with here, um, who I'm uh, sharing rooms and stuff with he, from Padlup, he... Uh, he got brake checked exactly the same, and uh, and and it ruined ruined his race. So, but we'll we'll come on to that. You just can't do it yeah. in motorsport. It's not fair. I don't think so. Uh, what else went on? George got third. So Mercedes got seven million pounds, apparently, or dollars. That was the difference between <laughs> second or third. And uh, Yuki Tsunoda, they had a brilliant race. Yuki led for a long time on a sort of alternate strategy, and uh, but he, he only finished seventh, I think it was, and so he didn't overtake Williams. So so that was another about seven million pounds. Uh, Williams got more than uh, than Alpha. That's the trouble. You see, that's why all these they keep these old drivers in because they're so worried about you know not getting points. Like Valtteri Bottas has been picking up so many points, hasn't he? Hasn't he, Alpha Romeo? He's been so good for you. But Useless. if you, I'll tell you now, as a as a very bad businessman, as a very bad businessman, I'm telling you now, you get Djokovic in that car and Bottas out, he will pull in much more sponsorship. So if they lose two or three million in, in winnings, he will pull yeah. in far more than yeah. that because he, he's got the whole of Brazil behind yeah. him and South America, arguably. And he's got, he's, he's had big backers to get him in Formula 2, so I don't know, I don't know. Because there wasn't much fuss made. That was the last Alfa Romeo race as well. Well, of course, they're not Alphas next year. Yeah, yeah that wasn't course. mentioned hardly at all. So it's a quiet Alfa Romeo slowly sliding out. They finished down the back of the race anyway. Um, they're disappearing. I don't know what are they going to be called next year. We don't know. I, I, we're waiting for a, a race somewhere. Some stupid yeah. name, but uh, we're waiting to see. Um Yeah, in terms of overall wins, Max, incredibly... 54 race wins out of nowhere because of this record-breaking season. Um, Schumacher still well, 91 of, uh, and Lewis on 103. So, if Max has another season like that, he's going to virtually overtake Schumacher in, in one more season, <laughs> which is just nuts how many races he wins. It, it, I hope it's more competitive next year. 
Well, I think they're closing up. I mean, McLaren were closing up. Lando again sort of felt he cocked up qualifying because Piastri was third and, and Lando was... But then Lando again in the race, he's still got that extra, you know, nursing those tyres, which oh, everyone was moaning about again, overheating, backing off and... You've got to be careful of turn 11, you've got to be careful of turn three. You know, you're told over the radio where you're overheating your tyres, but um, it seems to get the best of Piastri in most races. Um, oh, I don't know. It was just it, a lot. The, the, track, the track just seems dull for some, despite all the dramatic scenery around it. Uh, having two stops or three stops, you know, you're looking at the track and you, you don't know, oh, hold on a minute, who's... Now, he hasn't stopped twice yet has he and he's on which tire and that's degrading and who's what tires has he got to use when he oh. yeah but that's not the track that's just that's a strategy that's something to keep up with the whole time but i agree the track track looks spectacular but it doesn't really deliver much i know something about it i don't know why because it's not got those natural edges to it i think that's the great thing about you know a bit of grass and a bit of curbing and a bit of bumpy curbing you know you, you you know where you're at at spa or somewhere yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, there were, there were quite exciting bits. There were some overtaking manoeuvres going on with DRS, but overall, you just, everybody seemed to end the Grand Prix with a bit of a... <laughs> <laughs> Formula 2, Formula 2. We'd completely forgotten. I think they, they, they waited three months or something now for Teo Porcher to win the championship. Ridiculous. Yeah. Frederick Vesti could have got it under. I couldn't be bothered to work out all the points. Vesti did a good job. He managed to win the sprint race. And then uh, he was battling with Porsche in the main race. But Porsche knew he only had to finish sixth or something, even if Vesti won it. So it was good stuff. Who won the sprint? Yes, Vesti won the sprint race. Vesti, as I said, um, not Vesti. Vesti the one that's thinking of taking, yes, Vesti the one that's thinking of taking maybe the Milliam seat. So it was a good weekend for him to look good. Uh, Mick Dewan dominated the main race, pole position, um, and his BWT teammate was second, so they had a good car. He found weekend. some real form, didn't he, come the end of the season, the last sort of five yeah. five races or so. Hasn't he won yeah. three on the trot or something? He's, he's yeah. been, yeah, dominant. So and and he looked they... good in the Alpine, but, you know, where does he go next? He does Formula 2 mm. again for the third year, I don't know. They're all queuing up. This is the whole problem. They're all queuing Same... up. Zane Mahoney, he's the, the he's the local lad from Barbados. Sorry, Tiff, he's a local lad from Barbados. Oh yeah, he didn't he didn't have the best of weekends, but um, they. Well, no, he was having a big battle with it. There was a dirty battle going on. He, they got quite a bit of screen time. Him and um, they were banging wheels and weaving the Japanese boy. So there was a lot of he got he got plenty of airtime. Bushy Park on the side of the car. So it, he was, exactly, he was in the frame quite a lot. <laughs> well, his family owned Bushy Park. Uh, the, yeah, yeah. So Ollie Behrman about 17th on the grid. But, I mean, they're all doing their Formula 1, I think. A lot, there's a lot of feeling half the field at the end of the year. Sort of, well, nothing really to win or lose. They don't, you know, really bother that much. And Ollie was 17th on the grid. Got up to ninth, and then the gearbox broke. So that was the end of Ollie's year. Um, then MotoGP, we moved to Spain. And another disappointing circuit. I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, circuits... They pay, I think, I'm pretty sure, to have the last round or the first round, which, what a surprise, we now open and close in the Middle East. Um, and so the circuits are buying these better races and the public and the motorsport suffers. And nobody likes Valencia, the, the MotoGP. They, it's a processional go-kart track. Fabulous crowd there, but not. I wouldn't think it's a big crowd. It's not much big capacity but it just goes in and out non-stop corners lots of runoff 
Um, it's one of those tracks you're in the middle of a lap and you've turned your head away from the telly and come back. You don't know where you are on the circuit. Unless the commentator is saying turn six or seven or eight. You could be at turn one or 17, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and MotoGP, they all went there again. It was a bit of a, you know, we all knew Pekka Bagnaia was going to get enough points to win it. But they hyped up the fact that uh, the Premac boy, um, Jorge Martin, could catch him up. And Martin won the sprint race, was a good sprint race. Uh, plenty of battling. Mar Marquez on his last uh, outie for Honda. Not a fuss about that, quite rightly so. Uh, he got third, got a podium in a sprint race. Um, so that was all good stuff. Brad Binder, another battling sprint while he was second with KTO. It was an entertaining sprint race. I mean, it's but entertaining only because they're all nose to tail. Follow my leader. So it looks entertaining, but very few overtaking manoeuvres going on. And half of them they tried ended up in calamity and clobbering someone and knocking people off into the gravel traps. Um, but in the main race, Bagnaio uh, led from the start and, and Jorge Martin caught up to second, uh, went for a manoeuvre at the end of the main straight and outbraked himself, got a bit of slipstream and misjudged his speed and went wide out. So put him back down to about ninth place. So that pretty much ended any chance of um, him catching Bagnaio in the points. He then took out Mark Marquez, trying to angrily battle his way back to the front, which sent Mark Marquez into a yet another high sider. Um, which he was lucky to escape without breaking his ankles where he landed. So, and then we had this famous run at the end. Uh, Bagnaia was out front, wanting to win the race to end the year. Uh, who was it beside it? Was the French boy Johan Zarco, who's Premac second driver, so Martin's teammate. He was on Bagnaia's tail, but coming back through the field yet again was everyone's new favourite, Giantonio. Got the name right this week. Got the name right. See, um, Digi for short. And Digi caught the two up front. And then Digi got it to second. And we had three bikes then going for the, for the lead on the last lap. And uh, Digi tried up the inside on the last corner, but couldn't quite make it. And uh, really exciting end to the Grand Prix season. Well, and, a Digi sec got and a second championship second. for, for Benaya. Yeah, second on the trot. Benaya keeps his number one. But it was good news all around for Digi. I mean, he got bin three seconds for oh, tyre pressures. They have this, you, you have to keep a minimum tyre pressure for a certain percentage of the race when he went too long on a moat, whatever it is. I don't know how they work that rule. So he actually got dropped to fourth. So ben, Brad Binder got third in the end, Zarko second. It's Everyone just happy. Nuts, the, nuts the data they get from cars and bikes uh, when they're driving around. You know, tyre pressures and all sorts. I know, how <laughs> During the race, they've got to have all sensors and getting some details. It's amazing, these sensors. But it was good news for Digi because he's got, he's staying in MotoGP. Six right. months ago, he was out. He was useless. He was finishing nowhere. And he suddenly had this amazing run of form in the Grassini Ducati, which, of course, Marquez is taking his ride next year. Um, and there was this VR46 team, um, Ross's team. They're losing one of their riders next year. Going up, Martin's going off to Honda. Um, so it was going to be the, the um, Moto2 superstar, this Fermin Aldegaia, was going to go to VR46. Uh, but all of a sudden, the pressure, I think, with Dugatti is, is saying, well, you know, Fermin, he can have another year. He's only 18 years old. Um, he can stay down in Moto2. And Digi has now got the VR46 ride for next year. So a, a happy, happy end of the year for the, the, the MotoGP paddock. Uh, Aldegaia duly won, I think it's three on the trot now, just walked away with the Moto2 race, 
I think he's got a different chassis to it. They are, they've all got the same Triumph engine, but there's two or three different chassis choices. And I think they've got a chassis that not many people have, but so he seems to have got that chassis working and going well. And by winning again, he took third place in the points off of Jake Dixon. Uh, Jake finished uh, sixth. So great season for Jake, but a bit disappointed to drop to fourth. Sam Lowe's finished seventh in his last ever Moto2 race, maybe. He's out of the Moto uh, GPC next year. I think he's going super bikes. I'm not sure where he's going. So Sam's had an amazing career. He's been, yeah, we did MotoGP for a couple of years. He's been up and down. He's, he's such a character. He's had so many crashes and shunts. He, everything He's on the limit all the time. So it was sad to say goodbye to Sam. Um, Moto3, everybody wanted only one person to win, which is Ayuma Sasaki, who was so badly treated by the Leopard pair of Honda children um, <laughs> who finished the title off um and he hasn't won Sasaki's had about seven second places this year but he won great race fantastic close race from uh, David Alonso the Colombian kid that's going to be doing Moto3 next year must start the season as favorite um although Sasaki's team at Colin Vager this Dutch boy um out of the blue uh amazing rookie season he led most of the way then he outbraked himself dropped back to fifth and got back to finish fourth um, so, uh, good racing. Motor 3 boys, always good. But, but stupid circuit, Motor GP, move it somewhere more. <laughs> Not a go-kart track in Valencia. Formula so, 1, move your circuit. So, where we go next? Have you got anything else? Well, let me go next. Quickly, we talk about the Aussie supercars. Uh, Aussie supercars. Another sort of end-of-season slight damp squib, trying to hype up that, you know... <laughs> uh, Shane Van Gisbergen could take the last championship as he leaves um, uh, supercars to go to um, NASCAR. But the points gap was so big, it was never really going to happen. And when Shane had a crash in the first race and a mechanical retirement in the second, so he didn't even finish either of his last two uh, supercar races. A bit of a shame. And uh, so it was Brody Kostecki took the title he led going in there. He was going to win it anyway. Uh, but the Ford boys had another good weekend. They had that balance of power change a couple of races ago they finished first to fourth in the first race uh, cam waters won it um and the second race was won by a new kiwi superstar because van gisbergen's a new zealander so as one new zealander disappears this new kid matt payne won for ford in race two uh, his first ever win was he 21 years old it was actually it was a shame that down under the young talent tends to go to supercars because it's where you earn a professional living. But um, in 2021, he won the um, Toyota single-seater series where a lot of Europeans often go down. He won five out of the nine races as a, as a 19-year-old. So obviously quite a talent. So Matt Payne is looking to be the next Shane Van Gisbergen. While Shane Van Gisbergen waves goodbye and heads to NASCAR. Um, so great stuff. That was really the world gone around. No, it was not. Tim. We've got the highlight coming up any moment now. But I got well, yes. Yeah, so, so whilst the rest of the world Speak, was speaking of race wins, a... yeah, there was a season finale in uh, Barbados. But speaking of uh, of, of wins, uh, Felipe Massa had his first race win in 15 years. He won the Stock Car Pro Series at Cachevelle. Um, So yeah, how about that? Oh. He's very excited about that. And, and Vector Sport, Ryan Cullen, one of our mates, uh, Vector Sport are dropping yeah. out of WC. I think it's quite well known because they're going to they're going to effectively white label the um, what's the, uh, Azotto, the, the the new Italian 
Um, I saw to the Franchini, the, yeah. the LMP. Was yeah, Callum, is he going in there? So, so I don't the know whether Ryan. I don't know whether Ryan's going to be in the car because he was Vector Sport. But uh, we'll we'll wait and see whether Ryan gets a drive there. Hopefully, so because he's loving life in WEC, as I expect you would, traveling around the world driving very nice cars. But Bushy Park, Barbados, is where all the action really was. Forget Abu Dhabi and all these other places. It, but it really was spectacular. So the season's finished. This isn't. This wasn't for the championship. The season's finished. Yeah. This is just a bit of a jolly. Um, and uh, so uh, I think about 25 K-Trims came. So most people had two drivers because it was hot, 30 degrees all one, every day. All one class? No, one three class. different classes. Three different classes, two 70s, uh, three 10s and four 20s. Uh, and the track was brilliant. It's quite a technical track, not much runoff. It was sort of up and back and up and back. But it was, I think almost everybody enjoyed the track. As I said, the curbs were massive big sausage curbs but it stopped people cutting the corners you couldn't cut the corners um and there was there, you know people but, but i think almost everybody enjoyed curb, it could it could break your back or it could break your chassis and this is i, I get i get that and i know you know of course abby eating uh eaton sorry um yeah. you know it's a can't stand sausage curves, but I think when they're on the inside it doesn't it's not so bad it's when they're on the outside and <laughs> well, I mean, the things with Abbey's, it, it was a curb at 90 degrees to the direction of travel. I mean, that that was a very, I mean, that, this is the trouble. I think you have an accident and everyone sympathizes you with that, but it's not all curbs. You know, that was a particularly badly designed. Like a curb which you go over at a sort of angle that slows you isn't the problem so much, you know, it's it, but that was a stupid one that, that did her injury. So you've got to be careful to, to write off all curbing. Yeah, I agree. I, well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I didn't get that much time. I was uh, partnering with Harvey Lawrence, uh, and uh, he's a he's about ten stone wet through, so he's got twenty kilograms of lead in his car. But he was flying. He was really on it. He had a few car problems the first day, um, but he was fl uh, flying. Then we did the endurance race in the evening. All great fun under the floodlights, Bushy Park, fantastic. Uh, Robin Bradford, who you know from the old Brands Hatch days and from following <laughs> motorsport, he was the commentator, and he was brilliant. He his knowledge and uh, enthusiasm was, was oh, superb. Yeah. Lovely English voice. Yeah, was a tone of sarcasm and a lot of his stuff, a lot of humour as well. He tends to take the mickey, Robin does. Uh, he was a British journalist with motorsport throughout the 70s, 80s. And he moved to Barbados about 20 years ago, I think, and has been there ever since. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so did you but, win? Well, we didn't did win. Harvey, win? Got a Harvey got a podium in one of the sprints, which is great. But then the next day, the Sunday, you know, getting ready, feeling good, because you can only measure yourself on your on your teammate. And my teammate smoked me <laughs> in day one. But day two, I thought no. I'm gonna have him here. I am gonna I'm gonna have him here. But sadly, the first race of the day, Harvey went out, just overcorrected a little bit, coming onto the onto the pit straight, onto the uh, start finish straight, clipped the grass, smashed into the wall about a hundred miles an hour. Everybody's watching on the on the start finish line. But he he was fine, the car's not so good. Uh, so that was my race weekend over. Um, but there was plenty to see and plenty to watch. Uh, the standout for me was uh, uh, Tom Emerson. He's one of your boys at Thruxton. You know Tom. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah, brilliant. It just shows the difference between a pro and, and us because uh, you, you had the likes of Fred Chiddix and Charlie Lower who have been super fast all year. But just Tom just eased the way really? not by much but but every, every lap was uh was a few tenths and so, consistently so the sprint as well. races sprint 20 races minutes. and shared car 
there was a mixture of races, were they, or were they all two driver races? Yeah, so so typically you'd have two drivers. A couple of guys did it on their own, but typically you have two drivers. So one would do the sprint twenty minutes sprint race, uh, then the other would do the other twenty minutes sprint race, and in the in the afternoon or evening you do a one hour endurance race. Um, and there was a joker lap as well. Oh, this, how, how long has this been? Yeah, how long has this been first, happening for? Is it a new first, thing? First year they've ever tried it, and I think virtually everybody said yes, we want to do it again. A few few little challenges as you'd expect, but. Uh, um, but overall, it was it was fantastic. But 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 Tom Emerson was brilliant. Taylor Flanagan was absolutely on fire uh, in the three tens. Um, the paddle up boys they did well. They had some problems with tires. They didn't bring the wrong, right tires. They're the only people on the tires that you have on two seventies, so they had a real struggle. But then very kindly, a couple of guys donated their old tires, <laughs> which are on nylon now. But so they they did uh, they had some uh, brilliant results based on. Uh, on the tyres and stuff they had. And also, I mentioned a couple of guys did it on their own. Uh, Tom McEwen uh, and Matt Shepard, they both did it on their own, the whole thing. And uh, and they were phenomenal, the pair of them as well. But thanks to me uh, and my amazing timing on my iPhone, Paddle Up got the fastest pit stop of the weekend. How about that? Team Paddle Up, Mark and Joe. <laughs> because you get a four-minute four minute pit stop. You're not allowed to leave the pits. It's all on, on, on your transponder. You're not allowed to leave the from the start of the pit line to the end of the pit line, four minutes, uh, anything under that. So they were penalising people for going out three seconds before. One poor guy, Matt yeah, Shepard, he it, went... It, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, three seconds a lap is, is huge. But we managed to time it to perfection. We got the fastest pit stop, four minutes, 3.2 seconds. Yeah, baby. So we did win something for the fastest pit stop. 3.2 seconds too long. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd say best, that. Was it? I was knew that the best say that. it could do. Yes, that was the best tip. Yes, I know. Because we have that in historic all GT races in England. We've I've had that with all historic races I've done. We have a stopwatch on the steering wheel. Yeah. Then you have that. So as you come in the pits, you press the watch. Yeah. And as you go out well, the witch, you wait pits, you're waiting for your four minutes and your three minutes fifty-eight, fifty-nine go. Well, it is 2023, so we don't have stopwatches on steering wheels anymore. But what we do have are digital timers. Now, the problem oh. with the digital timers were under the floodlights, uh, a zero looked like an eight, and there was so nobody realised it was going to look like that. And then the next day, the problem with the digital timers were it was too sunny on the on the digital timers. So perhaps next year, if it happens, everybody will invest in the old-fashioned stopwatch on the steering wheel. Stuck on the steering wheel. Yeah, so but it was amazing. The people at Bushy Park were brilliant. Food was pretty average, but other than that, you can't fault it. Um, Kalia, she beer was, was uh, head of the media team. What's the beer uh, in Barbados? I forget. Bank, Banks beer. We had one or two of those, but uh, and Ron Mousy, he's one of the drivers, brilliant lad. He bought a massive case of beer for everybody. He's got a place here. Um, how the other half live, hey? But he he bought a massive, massive container full of beer. All the ice chilled for two days, so it was uh, magnificent. A really, really, really good weekend. Okay. Hopefully, uh, I'll be invited well, back next next year. So, uh, and and maybe you can come as well because well, uh, there's plenty of beer on tap. Yes, please, I'll be there. Why wasn't <laughs> I invited for this year? You were busy, remember? Because oh, uh, well, the year's not over though. The year's not over. Pat, Patsy's Formula away. One's finished. Mrs. Nadell is away, uh, hence why Tiff, apologies about the audio. Um, he's on his phone. He Don't normally borrows the Mrs. iPad. So sorry about the audio this week, but thanks for joining us always. Uh, what's coming up next week, please, Tiff? It's not over. Yes, Formula One's finished. MotoGP's finished. 
supercars have finished, everything's finished, caterings have finished, but well, the world of motorsport is still rich. Because this weekend, it's too exciting. There's an epic title fight for the Extreme E champions over at the Copper Grand Prix in Chile. So don't miss it. There you go. Thanks for joining. See you next week. We'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll come, we'll, we'll come <laughs> back. With our, we'll, we'll do a Formula One review next week. We'll do an end of term report next week for Formula One. Perfect. With good audio. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.